Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. My co-host is Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, how's it going? Good, man. Uh, I'm excited to become the only, first and only podcast to give a scouting report on Joe Biden's trip up the stairs. Yep. <laughs> Getting us in trouble immediately. <laughs> um, you know, great balance, really, you know. Keeps it going, hard worker, uh, tough runner, hard, hard to bring down. This is know? on the $50 Patreon tier. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing a Q&A show this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to try and do these every once every six weeks or so just to get everybody a little bit more involved. Um, we have six or seven questions this week that we're very excited about. Uh, we'd like to thank those of you that did send in your questions and you know, thank you for participating. It helps us out. Uh, and we would also like to solemnly scold the rest of you that did not send in questions. That's right. We have the viewer list. We have the listener numbers. We know who listens. We know where you live. We, have, we get your exact address. Send in questions next time. <laughs> you better be careful. Look. Yeah. I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, I, I can't make specific threats in this podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm beaming them to your mind right now and you yeah. feel them. Yeah. You, you know what I mean. You know who you are. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you want to jump right into these? Yeah, let's get it, man. All right. What's up first here? Uh, so... The first thing we're going to talk about, um, I, I don't have a list or question asker names written down here. Yeah, so, uh, I, I can tell you who sent these. Great. Yeah. Um, so first question here is, what are y'all's dark, for, dark horse P5 conference champs or teams that at least appear in the championship game? You get extra points for especially deranged picks, which as you know is our specialty. Yeah, this is from Azzywad on Twitter. Okay. Um, I'll let you go first here because I, I feel like we could probably just go through our Power 5 champions, right? See who... Uh, which one is the or our dark horse you know conference champion picks right, for right. each conference see which one is the most deranged I guess sure um, let's start just alphabetically with the ACC yeah sure okay um, I'll uh, I guess I'll open it up man it's it's hard in the ACC because we know Clemson's gonna win that's right, <laughs> right? like it's it's going to be Clemson I guess if you if you have to pick one I kind of like Boston College right they were in my mind. They were in the back yeah. of my mind for sure. I, I, to me, basically, the formula is uh, you know, what it's been the past few years is which team gets hot at quarterback at the right time. Yeah, and and which team has sort of an up and coming coach. I guess seems to seems to contribute to it as well because there's for whatever reason something to that. And Boston College certainly has that, and it, it seems like it has the quarterback who could make that jump, right? Yeah. For for a similar reason, I picked NC State. Okay. Uh, big, real, big Tim Beck guy over there. That's right. I'm a big Tim Beck guy. Uh, they have also Timber Creek, New Jersey legend, Devin Leary, mm-hmm. uh, leading the path uh, quarterback. Uh, if he can stay healthy for more than one game in a row. Um, you know, Phil Dracovic at Boston College, Devin Leary at NC State are kind of similar guys who had really flashy moments at times as young players kind of getting their first uh, season of starts in their belts. Um, you know, those are not perfect quarterbacks, right? Uh, as much as I love Phil Dracovic, uh, uh, will be a legend, of course, yeah. and talk about him on Twitter. Uh, he does. He takes 25 seconds to throw the ball. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> release. I mean, it's a really long release. But, I mean, he's a talented kid for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy is, is also a great athlete, which I think hopefully is going to get shown off a little more this season. Uh, Devin Leary's a similar player. He's a tough kid. Takes a lot of hits he doesn't probably need to take, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got a good arm on him. Uh, also, any kid that plays public school in a Jersey Bowl, uh, instead of going to one of those private school academies, uh, good for him, I guess. Yeah, king, a king that we respect for, yeah, for yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, that offense was really good last year. That NC State offense mm-hmm. like, quietly really good. That's a great fan base, too. I mean, yeah. that is a team that I think maybe suffered the most from not having a in-person crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh they are kind of one of the more underrated stadium environments of college football. Yeah, we'll have to do a full deep dive into NC State sometime. That's a that's a really weird program. Yeah, yeah, I have nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that. So we I joked about Tim Beck at the at the top of this. His um, his offense was weirdly like I mentioned weirdly good last year. Like they ran the ball really really well. Did a lot of pretty cool RPO stuff. It's nothing especially groundbreaking, but um, I wonder if we can get a. Uh, a Sark S or a esque renaissance for Tim Beck, where oh, he ends up. That. He's the USC head coach. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Tim Beck's going to end up becoming the Notre Dame head football Let's coach. Let's go. Eventually. Yeah, we're going to give him the biggest jobs in America. <laughs> he's going to be awesome there. Yeah, he's going to replace just, Kirby Smart. Yes, he's just immediately fantastic. Um, what do we have next year? Uh, let's the go next, with the Big Ten. I yeah, guess the Big Ten is okay. probably the next. Sicko conference we have. Up. That seems right. Yeah. Uh, again, just like the ACC, we all know that Ohio State's going to win this conference again. Mm-hmm. Um, for just a dark horse team, uh, I, I, the West is so jumbled this year. I picked Purdue. Okay. Um, which Man, I don't believe are, in at all. You are yeah. higher on Jeff Brom than I am. Yeah, I'm not really. I, I, here's the thing: is like you just look around that that conference, and uh, 
Well, Wisconsin's obviously a dark horse pick, right? Mm-hmm. Northwestern has won the conference or won the division two of the last three years. Really can't call them a dark horse. Um, you know, and everyone else is bad. Minnesota employs Mike Sanford as its offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be a 500 team again. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska's the Scott Frost special. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going to win games. Uh, Illinois is not ready right now to win games. Um, and that leaves Purdue and who am I forgetting the West? Um, Iowa? Iowa, yeah. yeah, which Iowa has a really bad quarterback and loses yeah. all their good players that made them good. Yeah, he was like the worst quarterback in football last year. Right. <laughs> what is is it Spencer Petras, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, and all of his talent is gone around him, so yeah. that's probably not going to get better, I would say. No, generally when a quarterback is bad with really good receivers, it doesn't suddenly become you know less yeah. bad with bad receivers. So at least uh, Purdue's quarterbacks are bad with good receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll be David Bell, who's probably the in my opinion, the best returning receiver in college football, uh, maybe except Chris Olave. That's fair. Um, incredible talent. Uh, I mean, that's the only thing is maybe Jeff Brom finally figures out how to run his offense correctly and gets some points on the board. Uh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. My pick is it. <laughs> my pick is Indiana. Um, sure. I, I think that, like you said, the the sort of <laughs> there's the constant uh, Ohio State at the top of this conference that's hard to get past because. Generally speaking, Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten East, just if we're being sort of reductive. But um, Indiana returns just about everybody this season. It's It was a really good team last season. It was a team that faltered a little bit down the stretch, but not to an extent that really worries me, mm-hmm. um, especially because Michael Penix was out. Uh, and I, I think that it's easier said than done to have him healthy for a full season at this point. It, that seems unlikely, but I, I don't... If Jack Tuttle is back i think he is right i, I believe Tuttle's back yeah, yeah it, so that's not the worst thing in the world no, he's good yeah he's a good to, player to have to pass it off to him for a couple weeks or however long because i'm assuming that Penix is going to get hurt again at some point um but with a healthy you know offense generally speaking i still think they're going to be really good i i you know i i don't think that it's going to be quite as good offensively as it was last season but i i think the defense will be just as good um i'm worried about offensive coordinator nick sheridan who i think uh, sucks really bad. I don't think he's very good at what he does. Big time. Yeah, but I like Tom Allen quite a bit. I like a lot of that roster. I think that he's he's quietly built probably the third best team in the Big Ten East on just in terms of like talent combined with coaching at this point. I, I'm confident that Penn State will bounce back, but no one else in that division really really uh, looks all that good to me right now. So I think that Indiana has a shot here. Wait, do you have Michigan or Penn State second? Penn State second. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, I Michigan, I don't think, is going to do much this season. Uh, they sure aren't. Yeah, no. they're going to be below 500 probably. Yeah, so I, I, I think that, you know, Indiana almost got Ohio State in 2020, and I think Ohio State's going to be worse in 2021, and Indiana will be about the same. So it, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that Indiana goes up and gets one, still loses a conference game, but manages to get the tiebreaker and break into the Big Ten championship game. And then you just have to beat Wisconsin, which is very easy. Yeah, I hear. I get your rationale makes complete sense to me, and it's more sound than mine. Uh, I just don't see a scenario where they actually beat Ohio State. I guess it's it's hard to envision. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's in Bloomington, right? Right. So it should be hopefully a crowd there. Um, They lost Wap Fillier. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, Yeah. I think Ty Fryfogel is gone too. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. I, I didn't do a ton of Indiana research. No, yeah, you were good. Yeah, this is usually but, a research-intensive podcast. Yes, but yeah. Q&A, <laughs> Q&A show is going to be a little bit looser. Our apologies. That's right. Um, but I still think that they're going to be really good. I think that the, the running back room is, is interesting. Samson James has entered the transfer portal about 45 times, so I don't know if he's in it right now or not. It's tough um, to say. He's talented when he is on Indiana's he lives, roster. He lives in a quantum state of being in <laughs> and not in the transfer yeah, portal. Yeah, Schrodinger Sa- Samson. Um, <laughs> but he's really good when he is on the roster. I know that they have had some issues with running backs in the past. They just brought in, um, what is it, Dylan McCullough, mm-hmm. who was the Chiefs uh, running backs coach. I, I like him a lot. He's really good. Yeah, yeah and that's a surprisingly big get for Indiana to pull a, an NFL position coach for the same position at college. I, yeah. I know that he has Indiana ties, but I think that that will pay dividends for them, not it's just really this season. Staff, man, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I don't love Nick Sheridan, like I said, but the rest of it is, is pretty good, specifically on defense. But a lot of those position guys I like a lot, too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you want to go to the Big 12? Yeah, sure. Who you got? Um, I think we have the same pick here. I think it's West Virginia. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll let you talk a little bit about the West Virginia defense because I know that you are a, a big fan even without the uh, the, the your, Yeah, they, they did guy. lose one of their defensive coordinators. Uh, they had a, a co-DC situation last year. Um, but uh, they bring back, uh, and they do lose uh, one of the Stills brothers, goes to the NFL, um, and they lost a corner to transfer. So they do lose a couple pieces there on the defensive side. But on the net, 
they bring back a lot of talent uh, mm-hmm. on defense. On offense, essentially everybody's back. I think it's four of their top five receivers are back. Uh, Letty Brown, the running back, is coming back. I like him. Uh, I like him a lot, too. I, I actually covered that guy in high school early on in his career mm. um, from uh, Maryland. I, I think it was like Elk Academy of Maryland, something to that effect. Anyway, um, good player. Uh, look, I mean, West Virginia or Neil Brown is going to be a well-coached team. They're going to be disciplined. I think they get a lot of their – I think they get Texas, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State at home this year. That sounds um, right. I'll pull up the schedule. Yeah, Man, they, they get three of the top four teams in the conference at home, is how I recall it, um, which is a favorable schedule. Um, you know, that environment's always impressive whenever it's a, a full season and a full crowd. Um, and, and just a disciplined team that's going to be well-coached on both sides of the ball that brings back a likely All-American Tyke Smith at safety. Uh, Dante Stills is going to be an NFL guy in the defensive line. Uh, just a lot of pieces there that I think are pretty exciting and and I do kind of trust Neil Brown to get the most out of them. So I have the West Virginia 2021 football schedule here. Um, I'll just go through this and, I, I don't know, try to pick out the losses, I guess. Sure. So Maryland on the road. That that's feels, actually it's a toss-up game. That's that, interesting. I think that's a win. I don't think Maryland is quite ready yet. I think that... I tend to agree, but it's going to make them sweat a little bit. Yeah, I think that Maryland has one piece that it can consistently trust in that it has a, a slight passing game, I guess. I think that Talia and uh, Rakeem Jarrett is, is pretty good, but yeah. other than that, there's not a ton there. Um, talented team improving, not to the point where I think they can beat West Virginia. Um, LIU at home, probably not. <laughs> it's probably going to be a safe one. Yeah, probably safe. Uh, Virginia Tech at home. Yeah, they're gonna be bad. Yeah, not not a ton of confidence in Virginia Tech. I don't think that Braxton Burmeister is the guy to, to pull Justin Fuente back. And there. man, that's a couple. I mean, that's surprising. They scheduled two uh, non-con yeah. P five games in the same season. I wonder why they did that. I don't know. That's they're not. It's not the most difficult P five games to have. But right. It's, uh, and Virginia Tech is an old rivalry for them too. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma in Norman is tricky. That's that going to be a loss. Yeah. yeah, that's a loss. So, yeah, I that makes it a little harder because then the margin for error is very thin at that point. Um, Texas Tech at home that's is win. that's a win. Baylor at in Waco. That's not worried yeah, at all. I'm Baylor, not a, Baylor not sucks, not so. concerned about Dave Aranda. Yeah. Um, TCU in Fort Worth. Uh, nope. And again, they don't have an offense. Yeah, I'm they, seeing I'm seeing a surprising amount of TCU hype this season, like this off season. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Uh, I'm sure there's no way people expecting them to be able to score points will be disappointed at all again this year. <laughs> Their defense isn't any good anymore either. No. <laughs> <laughs> really, they don't do too much well in the football field. No, everyone is running the same defense as Gary Patterson was. That's it's right. not cool anymore. Yeah. Um, Iowa State at home. That's that's it's probably a loss, probably but still a loss. Having but them at home does give you a fighting chance. That's a hard place to play in yes. in Morgantown. I, I think that that's certainly you'd prefer to get them at home yeah, <laughs> than yeah, than not. Um, Oklahoma State at home. That's I don't I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be very good this year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge. Uh, oh, They're shoot. never that good, man. Who's the quarterback there? It's Spencer something. Uh, it's not Rattler. It's Sanders. Spencer is it Spencer Sanders? Sanders? Right. I don't like him. I don't think he's very good. Isn't there also a Spencer Brown that's like an NFL guy in, in the Big 12? From, he was from UAB, I think. Yeah, there are too many guys yeah. from Spencer. A lot of Spencers let's, out let's here. Let's consolidate that. Yeah. <laughs> we need one Super Spencer. <laughs> We're having a Super Spencer event. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma State loses... Uh, I mean, they lose Tylen Wallace and Chupa Hubbard, too. Uh, they're top two skill players. Yeah. And Mike uh, Gundy is still the coach there, which is right. an issue for most teams. Yeah. If you're in a game that you want to win, usually you don't want to have Mike Gundy no. as your coach. Yeah, he keeps losing offensive coordinators. I don't even I don't know who their who their OC anymore is because he's lost like four straight. Some guy named Spencer. Is, it's not it's not Sean. Gle- <laughs> yeah, it's probably a Spencer. It's not Sean Gleason anymore, who left Oklahoma State for Rutgers. Really, really a big uh, <laughs> sort sort of a, a look in the mirror kind of moment there. If you're Oklahoma State, um, Kansas State on the road. I don't hate Kansas State. I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's going to be anything special. But eight and four seems kind of realistic. I, I could see a situation where West Virginia enters this game at nine and one, and Kansas State does something stupid. Right. Yeah, and or here's the thing: yeah, if we've seen them already beat Baylor, Maryland, Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, then I wouldn't be too worried about Kansas State. Yeah, I, I guess it's it just it feels like one of those where they they might get got by a team that you know, possible does yeah. something unique. Kansas State really likes to run the ball. Might be an issue for West Virginia's sort of pass-oriented defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe not a huge issue because Kansas State still isn't very good, but yeah. um, that is sort of the, the purpose that they serve in this conference. Um, Texas at home, mm, I don't think Texas is ready, right? 
this is a team. I mean, if they want to make the conference championship game, they have to win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, and, and it's certainly winnable, like you said. I mean, I think they have some exciting pieces at quarterback. They're gonna have a competition in the spring. Yeah, uh, B. John Robinson is a legitimate Heisman contender he's running a, back. He's a future. freak, absolute freak. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I don't think the defense is gonna be any good though. Yeah, receiver. They have a bunch of just okay players, or, or maybe guys who were talented in high school haven't broken out yet. Mm-hmm. You'd expect Sark to get the most out of that group just on his background. Um, but we shall see on that on that front. Yeah, the defense. Yeah, I mean, there's not much coming back, right? Is my understanding. I think that it seems like most of the defensive backs have just transferred at this point. What they, can you do? They had a <laughs> lot of issues with like former five star defensive backs just transferring constantly. Um, and then they end the season at Kansas. Probably not a huge issue there. Probably not. Um, yeah, I I think that honestly, I almost feel like West Virginia can't be the dark horse because it's pretty obviously the number three team in the conference, right? Like entering the season, right? It seems like Oklahoma, Iowa State, and then who else do you put there? Well, we just slandered every other team, so what should we yeah, do? Yeah, I guess Texas could kind <laughs> of go there, but it, it's uh, I don't know. I would say West Virginia is the dark horse because people will expect more from Texas to win. I think Texas will have yeah. like expectations to be a top three team, and that's then fair. Oklahoma State is probably going to be placed on an equivalent level to West Virginia because people don't watch that many football games. Yeah, man, real quick, why didn't Tom Herman ever recruit fast wide receivers? Tough to say. <laughs> he um, only recruited guys that are six foot five and can't yeah, run. Me personally, I do like <laughs> fast receivers who are good, but I guess some folks just don't. Oh man, missing on uh, what was it, Rondale Robinson? I think he missed on pretty uh, bad. Missed a lot of players. Missed on a lot of players. Yeah, yeah. can't do that. I mean, Garrett Wilson is another name yeah. he missed on mm. pretty big time. Yeah, probably would have been nice to have that guy. Yeah. Tough to, I mean, tough to say. <laughs> Sam Ellinger was in hell. Uh, <laughs> like, can we get one non-tight end he in this really offense? Is, like, imagine if you had JT Barrett and just never gave JT Barrett. Like, JT Barrett had the best skill players in the country surrounding him every season. Yeah. Sam Ellinger was living JT Barrett's life of having like <laughs> being killed on 700 snaps a year <laughs> without actually having good players get the oh, ball. Oh man, him. poor guy. Um, let's move on to what is it? I don't Pac-12. Yeah, Pac-12. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about the Pac-12 later on, but That's we can right. we can give our dark horses here. Um, who's your who's your pick here? I got Arizona State, okay. um, which I'm not sure if they qualify as a dark horse or not. I, I just do essentially have them with a... Uh, I mean, they return Trey Autumn at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring back their quarterback. Jaden um, Daniels. Jaden yeah, Daniels, thank you. Who I like quite a bit. I like him a lot, yeah. yeah. I think I have him in a dynasty league uh, as a developmental prospect, but mm-hmm. I could be incorrect. Um they have a couple receivers coming back. I mean, that team just brings back most of their offensive talent. Uh, they got to replace some sides of the defensive ball. Um, but it's not like that team's built on defense anyway. Uh, you know what I mean? They're they're going to be competitive most years. They're going to be a team that's well-coached uh, under Herm Edwards. Um, if I recall correctly, their schedule's pretty favorable, too. They miss Oregon, mm-hmm. which helps. Uh, and the South is not particularly... I mean, it's Keaton Slovis is USC and uh, a whole bunch of... I mean, it's Kyle Whittingham has the same team every year. Lately, uh, yeah, Jane Daniels is there. Arizona State, Arizona's gonna be awful. Um, UCLA is not very impressive to me, I would say. And the other team in the conference is what Colorado's in the south, Colorado's in the south, yeah, yeah. I mean, Colorado's not gonna win any games, yeah. Um, my pick is UCLA, okay. <laughs> uh, so the non conference actually is not especially friendly, but obviously doesn't matter a ton here, just probably keeps them out of a, a major bowl, yeah, um, because they get Hawaii at home, which. Eh, it's okay. I don't think Hawaii is going to be anything terribly special this year. Right. But, um, and then LSU at home, which is a weird one. That's a that's a very strange matchup. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know why you'd schedule that for UCLA. I don't know. Bye week in week three, which is not ever great to have. Um, and then Fresno State at home, which again, not one of those teams from the Mountain West that you want to schedule. Right? Yeah, I mean that's just a team that's it's. It's a little different in the post Jeff Tedford era, but I mean, man, they, yeah. that is an ankle biting team. Yeah, and then you have in the in the Pac twelve, it has to go to it has to go to Stanford and to Washington to Utah, but it gets Oregon at home, gets Colorado at home, gets Cal at home, and Arizona State at home. Um, this was a team that sort of kind it, it found its uh, its rhythm a little bit as a running team at the end of last season. Um, Chip Kelly has been trying for you know three or four years now to figure out what a modern running game looks like, and I think he sort of figured it out last year. Um, I'm not sure how willing I am to believe that fully, but I do think that they were pretty impressive near the end of last season on offense specifically. And Dorian Thompson Robinson is back, right? He was, he was okay last year. He's been consistently okay for a couple years now. Yeah. Um, defense is bad, but I think that the, the UCLA offense might be one of the best in the PAC 12 and they 
have quite a few pretty favorable draws here. Do you think Chip Kelly is trying to win football games, or is he trying to collect paychecks at this point? <laughs> I don't know, man. They weren't bad last year. Right. Is the, is the thing. They got he, better as the year went on, for sure. They got too. better as the year went on. His recruiting, a lot of people dunk on it, but it seems to have worked pretty well for him at Oregon, right? It's He's he's weird. We know he's weird. He's just, he's not really into tr- you know the building his program the traditional way, and I think that he's one of those guys that gets better with time as he gets more players into his program that he recruited specifically. And this is now a full Chip Kelly program. Right. Um, and I think that we started to see sort of what that buy-in can look like last season. Um, the My main issue outside of the defense not being very good is that it seems like the uh, the possibility of players quitting on the coach is very high here, right? If they go out and they get crushed by LSU yes. in week two and, you know, go to Stanford and they lose at Stanford and they're sitting at three and two, um, that starts to get a little bit scary because yeah. I think if Chip Kelly is not winning, he's a very difficult person to deal with. Um, and he hasn't won yet, but I, I do think that he still has some pretty interesting ideas about offensive football. He's starting to get his his grasp on what it's supposed to look like in 2021, and I don't hate the roster. I like a lot of the offensive talent. Yeah, there's definitely some pieces there. I mean, they, they have a chance for sure. And like we said before with Arizona State, I mean, the South is wide open. You know, it's like it's USC and everybody else, and it's not like, uh, you know, Clay Helton's USC squads are teams that are just some juggernaut mm-hmm. coming in that you can't feel confident tripping up. You know, you have a, a, a half-baked game plan, and this will make, you know, Clay Helton shit his pants. I mean, he's not exactly going to be coaching his way uh, out of a paper bag anytime soon. Uh, not not a pick from me here, but what do you think about Cal just in general? I think they're kind of just stuck in the middle right now. They don't really have a ton of identity, I feel like, on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just... They are a, a team that has some potential and I think is usually a, a solid defensive team that seems to be trending in the right direction but I don't think they're turning anywhere fast enough to catch Oregon and Washington. Yeah, I I, I want to I, I also want to ask you just about this because you're the sort of de facto recruiting guy here. Cal had four-star wide receivers, two of them, four-star tight end, four-star quarterback, four-star defensive end, and then a, a four-star Florida straight wide, or safety transfer. What is Justin Wilcox doing? How's he doing this? Do you know? Uh, I can't say that I do. I mean, I, I think Cal is a program you should be able to recruit to pretty well, right? I mean, you'd, like you'd think the the academic standards make it a little bit tricky, but I think that that's a, a sort of cudgel that we use sometimes. Yeah, and it's a selling point for a lot of kids too, right? Like, yeah. like you know, I mean, there were years where I can't remember the kids. Uh, Walker Little, the Stanford mm. landed a five star offensive line from Texas over yeah. uh, Texas A and M and Ohio State, uh, which. You know, it's not easy to do, uh, right? And I mean, like, kind of having that academic draw that Berkeley does should kind of give you uh, the opportunity to get some of those kids in if you're creative. And, and you know, uh, those academically minded kids, you, if you can show them, you can develop them for football too. That kind of opens a lot of doors for you in recruiting. Yeah. Cal in, in 2021 class, 12 California commitments, two Arizona, and then one from Hawaii, Minnesota, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. So Justin Wilcox, good shit. Stick right to California. Yeah, that's a really good recruiting plan. Yeah. You don't need to go elsewhere. Just California, drift into Arizona for one or two skill guys, and right. then maybe grab a receiver from Texas, which just, is exactly what he did. Yeah, just park yourself at uh, Chaparral and uh, Chandler, the two schools in Arizona you got to worry about. Yeah, when they have 10 P5 guys a year each. Went, the, went down, got a a quarterback from Higley in Arizona. Sure. Um, that's that's a good place to get quarterbacks. If you're yep. going to get quarterbacks, California or Arizona is a good place to do it. Right. Um, I like what I like what is being built here. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if Justin Wilcox is going to get a chance to truly build it out, yeah. either from either by his own volition or, or not. But right. um, I like the plan. I think that it makes sense. I just I don't know if they're going to be quite that this season and, and Jimmy Lake might be tanking Washington I don't like Jimmy Lake yeah I don't yeah. think he's very good and, and I mean if he's really screwing things up for Washington that kind of does open the door where all of a sudden you only have to beat Mario Cristobal at Oregon yeah man that that John Donovan hire good lord that yeah. that's your first hire when you take over as the head coach we don't go love out, it we don't go love out it. and you get John Donovan I just do man that I think that they might have they might have shanked that uh that process there yeah. a little bit. Um, all right, SEC, who's your who's your guy? Uh, you know, I got to ride the lane train, baby. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. Look, if you're looking around the conference, uh, some of these teams calling them dark horses really is not fair. The talent they have, like like even though A and M does not win enough games every, I mean they did well this past season. But, yeah. You know they always come up just a little bit short to finish second or third in the division. Uh, you know, LSU is going to be talented, of course. Florida, Georgia are going to be talented. Those teams are really dark horses because they're contenders pretty much every season because of the talent they accumulate. 
Uh, Ole Miss is a weird uh, offense that is just going to be throwing the ball all around the field, and I think they are going to piss off a lot of teams they play. Um, in a year where Alabama is kind of reloading, if not rebuilding, uh, LSU still has not proven themselves. Uh, we'll see if A&M can cross the hump. Um, Auburn is not going to be very good this season. You know, I think it kind of opens the door for LS, for, for Ole Miss to win a good amount of their games in the division. And um, I, I don't have their schedule pulled up here in front of me, but I, I'm sure that, um, you know, the East crossovers are a little strange in the, in the SEC with their scheduling format. Um, but anyway, uh, I got Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pull up the Ole Miss schedule real quick okay. just so that we can we can reference and figure out who their, their East draws are. My pick here that I will get into after we look at the schedule is, I think, wrong. I think it's incorrect. I'm not confident in it even a little bit. But sure. I, for whatever reason, I feel a kinship with this program and I'm interested in it. So Ole Miss gets Louisville, Austin P, and Tulane in the uh, the non-conference. That's not great. <laughs> That's that's not a great thing to do at the start of the season. Yeah. Austin P isn't very good, but Louisville and Tulane are kind of two teams that will just make you feel bad. I don't think you'll lose, but you'll feel bad. Yeah, Louisville's kind of a tough team to read most years. I, I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year. Man, Scott Satterfield wants out of there. Yeah. Man, he wants out of there bad. bad. Yeah, he does not want to be there. Hard to blame <laughs> I can't blame him. They also play Liberty in uh, November. Oh, that's not Why right. would you do you that? You should not be doing Lane. that. Lane. <laughs> Wait a second. Why are they playing Liberty? Uh, maybe Lane has some kind of arrangement with Jerry Falwell Jr. Oh my God! I, I know Jerry a lot Falwell. of a lot of young men do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this the, could be some kind of fetish scenario. Was this part on. of the Hugh Freeze buyout? It's like wherever you are in 2021, you're allowed to come back for one game only. That that's a game that can make you look really bad if you're Lane Kevin. Yeah, man. You better win that game. Yeah, Lane, you gotta win that one, my man. Oh man, that's, that's a, not great. I didn't know that. That's a stupid thing to do. Um, so they get they're they're at Alabama, so that's not a great way to start conference play. <laughs> Admittedly, there are better ways to start well, conference play. I mean, you want to catch Bama earlier than you do later this year, yeah. especially the young quarterback. You want to yeah. get him as early as you can. Uh, Arkansas at home. Oh, that's a win. First East draw is at Tennessee. That's, that's a win. A win. Um, LSU at home. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to beat that team. I don't think LSU is going to be good at all. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about Ed Orgeron, man. I am I'm concerned about that program. Uh, I'm worried in the sense that I hope he gets fired. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, at Auburn is not great. Not not what you want generally. I don't think they're they're going to be anything amazing yeah, this think- year. But uh, I don't think they're going to be bad. I think they freaked that hire in a, in a major mm, way. Maybe. I don't, I don't think Brian Harson's the right fit at all. Um, then Liberty, which <laughs> Liberty in between at Auburn and uh, home against Texas A&M. Not great. Good Lord. Oh. Um, so Texas A&M at home is beneficial, I guess. Um, and then Vanderbilt at home is the other one of the other East draws. That's I don't a good know. one, yeah. Do they only have two East draws, or am I missing a team yeah, that's, that's in the works. East? That's okay. And then at Mississippi State to close the season, who I don't think is going to be very good this year. That's right. That's not terrible. Probably. Yeah, that's a winnable. I mean, yeah. that's an eight or nine win schedule, I if, think. If that offense is, is as good as we think it could be, then I, I could see, you know, a uh, a jump up. Maybe they maybe they finish, I don't know, maybe Alabama has a really down year, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to get lucky. Of course. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing we have at that other conference. Like, Alabama is just going to be Alabama. Like, what yeah. are you going to do about it? I'm I'm gonna make a, a slightly easier pick in terms of division, but a, a little bit more off the wall. So I guess that this will get me extra points for uh, for insanity or whatever the phrasing Let's go. was. Um, I'm going with Missouri. I, I I considered them heavily as well. I like Missouri a lot. I really really like what Drinkwitz is doing there. I like his offense. Um, it is like <laughs> it's kind of like the Josh Heupel, you know, taking that RPO nonsense that you're doing just to an absolute extreme where like you have receivers not even running routes on the other side of the field yeah. right um missouri is extremely committed to only running rpos which is it's it's funny and it works really well which yeah. is unfortunate because it's not very fun to watch but right. and how, i mean he wins everywhere he goes too yeah um and then connor basilak at quarterback who i like quite a bit Ohio he native. kind of struggled down the stretch but he was really good early in the season i apologize for the background noise my cat is losing her mind wrigley what is wrong What's good, little mama? <laughs> she doesn't know what's wrong. Um, but I like Connor Basilak quite a bit. I like his fit in this offense specifically. I think that he yeah. runs that system really, really well. He's he's a quick processor. Um, 
And like you said, Drinkwitz wins everywhere he goes, and he usually wins pretty quickly. He he seems like kind of a hard guy to work with, but he also seems like a really good football coach, and, and they're in the easier side of the East, especially with what I assume will be a down Florida, at least relative to last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia will never scare me until it does something. Right. Um, I just There's not a ton in the East that, that frightens me a ton, and I think that Missouri can can pull a couple upsets. Yeah, I mean, just figure out how to replace Larry Roundtree, and it's pretty much what you need. Yeah, and, which is... So running back is... I would argue the most replaceable position in yeah. football. Easier said than done, but it, I do think that, you know... If you want it to be anywhere, it's going to be running back. Yeah. Um, non-conference here and then regular regular season. So they have Central Michigan. Um, I believe it. I believe at home. I don't know how their... I don't know how their bolding system works. Um, these are just bolded for no reason. Okay. Uh, so they have Central Michigan. This is not in order. Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri, at Boston College, and North Texas. Um, not sure why you're going to Boston College, Shouldn't but be doing that. I guess not the worst P5 game to play, right? They're not right. playing. They're not playing Ohio State. They're not playing Clemson. Just still probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just want to issue a general kind of fatwa here in the podcast, which is that like if you are a, a P5 program and you are not like winning that na- contending for national championships, you should not be scheduling non-con P5 games. Like just yeah. schedule easy wins. Your yeah. goal is to build momentum by scheduling easy wins. That, that should be all you're doing. Which, I mean, as a fan, I do like seeing better football games, more competitive P5 versus P5 games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, from a, from an actual logistical standpoint, from a football standpoint, I don't think it's smart for those programs to do it. Yeah, so they draw from the West, Arkansas, and Texas A&M, which is not great, but it's not as bad as it could be. Um, and they get Texas A&M at home, along with Tennessee, South Carolina, and Florida. They have to go to Georgia, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. But... It could be a lot worse, I think. And and I uh, like I said, I really like this offense. Kind of a pick similar to my UCLA pick, um, but I think Missouri is is uh, they're my guys in the SEC. Um, For sure. I uh, I don't think I have G five picks yet. I'll have to get through my preview before I'm my whole preview series before I'm comfortable doing that. But right. there should be some wacky stuff going on this year in the G five with uh, with some of the traditional powers down. Um, what do we have up next here? So uh, we are asked, uh, who is our favorite non-P5 player in the last five years that could or should have won a national award? I have some recency bias here. Um, Go ahead. But I think it's Jalen Darden from North Texas last sure. year. Um, he was, I just finished watching them for a, for a preview. He was the entire offense. It was yeah. it was just him. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much just throw to Jalen Darden. And let him, you know, try to make a play after catching the ball five yards down the field. And that was the whole thing that they would do. And, and there was no other part of the offense that worked. It was just Jalen Darden. He was so good last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, it's a tough year when you are competing for the Blitnikoff against, uh, you know, Devonta Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, not easy to do. No, not great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, what an explosive player, man. He's an awesome guy. I mean, just a very, very dependable, uh, very dependable receiver. Yeah. Um, oh, Keenan Reynolds is probably another one. Right from uh, is that last five years? Yeah, uh, mm, might not maybe. be. I don't know. I had Daryl Henderson here. For That's instance. another one. That's the second guy that I looked up was Daryl yeah. Henderson. Yeah, uh, I mean his numbers, especially his junior season before going to the NFL, are insane. It's just uh, he was he was averaging like nine yards a carry. Yeah, two hundred fourteen carries for nineteen hundred nine <laughs> yards and twenty two <laughs> touchdowns, which is uh eight point nine yards per carry, and he had a touchdown more than once every ten carries. Oh man. Uh, and not to mention, by the way, he also was averaging 15 and a half yards per reception with almost 300 receiving yards in the year. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, generally, if you put up 25 touchdowns and, uh, you know, 2,200 yards, that's a pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. While averaging over nine yards a touch, that's that's a good season. Yeah, pretty good. Um, Mackenzie Milton is another one who stands out to me. He was really good when he was healthy. Yeah. Um, Zayvon Collins this past year at Tulsa was really good. I think he might have been up for national awards. He was a nominee for the Buckets. I don't know yeah. if he ended up winning or not. Um, he might have, which could have been... I could have been completely wrong then, but he was really good. Yeah, I gotta be honest. Uh, part of my problem here, this, uh, I guess part of my, my own issue here is that I'm not very good at tracking the award season stuff. Yeah. Um, I do think it's cool, and I, I love when a small school player gets nominated. I just do not... Uh, I don't uh, keep up with it. Yeah, not my, not my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, Grayson McCall, the next three years, will be my answer for this. <laughs> <laughs> Love that for yeah. you. Um, all right, what's next? Uh, how can the Pac-12 actually regain relevance? Yeah, so this one is from our friend. I don't want to butcher this. Let me let me get the exact uh, 
friend of the show, longtime friend of of my content in general, um, Flex Orange County on friend uh, of the content, yeah, yeah on uh, on Twitter, who says, um, how exactly can the Pac-12 actually regain relevance? The obvious answer feels like USC being back, but USC being back and also significantly impacts schools like Oregon and Washington, and probably weakens the conference overall. Firing Larry Scott was a good start, but is there a way back? Ryan, I will open this up to you. Okay, so one, I do not think that USC being back weakens the conference in the sense that uh, it makes the conference less relevant. Uh, USC is, in my opinion, the only program in that conference capable of consistently contending for national championships. Oregon, when it's rolling, can get the kind of talent to be a maybe a second tier playoff contender, a team that can make the playoff or, or, you know, on the right year. Washington under Chris Peterson. Yes. Yeah. But. It is not a program that can be the juggernaut that can win 12 games a year every year, I feel like. I just think it's pretty unlikely for that to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, USC is a school that can do that. USC still just passively picks up 10 four-stars a year just because of who they are. Uh, I mean, getting Corey Foreman when you've shown literally nothing to develop any defensive players is, yeah. is huge. Um, so, look, I mean, like I said, the path is USC coming back. The path is USC dominating California recruiting. Um, then you, you need to have... Uh, at the conference level, the Pac-12 deal is almost up. The disastrous Pac-12 network that basically just made them piss away money for years yeah. uh, is ending in 2023, I believe. That sounds right. Um, it's somewhere in the 2023-2025 range. Soon. Um, very soon, yes. They're going to have an opportunity to renegotiate their deal. Whoever the commissioner is, that is your number one challenge, is figuring out how to make the Pac-12 make money off TV revenue. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of major markets out west. Um, you have a lot of big-time programs that sell big-time fan-based games. Um, people pay attention to USC football. They just do. Yeah. People pay attention to Oregon football. Uh, there was discussion from Stuart Mandel of The Athletic about the idea of the Pac-12 and Big 12 bundling their TV rights together mm-hmm. um, and maybe like guaranteeing a crossover game between USC and Texas every year or something to that effect. Culturally makes some sense. Yeah, that is something that can boost both of your games, let you sell a little more uh, content when you're together. Um, they're both Fox uh, mm-hmm. network, or Fox, you know, uh, conferences for, yeah. for TV purposes. Get the Big Ten in here too, really make it wacky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, they got to increase their revenue and they have to continue to lock down California recruiting. Um, Arizona's a state in the rise, which helps. Um, Nevada, Oregon, and Washington, and Colorado kind of are what they are. Colorado has a slight increase, but it's always just going to be Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically do not let anyone else come into uh, California and Arizona is, is the number one plan. You have to dominate those schools. Mm-hmm. Those areas. That, that's that's about as far as you can. I mean, like, if you don't do that, then everything else I say does not matter. Yeah, so my, my first, I'll start with TV stuff as well, because that seems to be the number one thing that comes up with Pac-12, and I'm not the first person to say this. Um, I think that the thing that makes sense, at least for me, with the Pac-12 is you know, the main issue here, like you said, not making enough money off of their TV deals, and also no one can watch the games, right? Yeah. It's not anywhere. I think, I like the Fox idea. I like even more... Um, the Pac-12 sort of, it wants to be on the cutting edge, right? Cut a deal with NBC. Fox, or uh, not Fox, <laughs> NBC becomes the network of the Pac-12, which I think makes sense culturally because NBC loves Olympic sports, right? Mm-hmm. So now it gets all the Pac-12 Olympic sports, which are the best in the country. Like The Pac-12 is the best at the Olympic right, sports. Right, Stanford Swain program yes. is awesome, yeah. Um, and so... NBC gets content for its, whatever, its streaming service, right? It gets the Olympic stuff. It's happy. Um, there are multiple NBC networks. I think there's an NBC Sports. You have an NBC proper. Mm-hmm. You could revamp the Pac-12 network, turn it into a Big Ten network type thing where it has the lower rate games, right? You, you but, can put Stanford on the golf network. That's a cultural fit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but make it so that if you have NBC, if you have NBC Sports, you get the Pac-12 network, right? Makes sense. So it's on. And then best game each week gets the, the full, like... Sunday night football on NBC treatment, right? It's a big deal mm-hmm. on these NBC games. It gets really good broadcasters. I think it's Chris Collinsworth. Mike Tarico's on there yeah. as well, yeah. You give them the whole package of, like, you know, the primetime game this week is USC-UCLA, right? Time, primetime game this week is, is Oregon-Washington. It's right. it's Stanford-USC, it, whatever. You basically try to model what the SEC did with, with uh, CBS. Yes, yes. Yeah. Make, it a, make it a big deal, right? Do Make this, you dominate primetime, right? Yeah. And you'd have to figure out something with Notre Dame, because Notre Dame also has the NBC. But, well, by the way, I mean, the unit is with CBS, too, right? I mean, it's like CBS, yeah, their, sure. their deal CBS with the NBC is, is yeah. ending. Now they, they got, you know, ESPN... Beat yeah, them for that. C- CBS is currently without content, right? <laughs> essentially, yeah. but I think that NBC makes sense culturally. I think that it 
makes it so that the Pac-12 can become something that people can watch and will be interested in watching because it's a spectacle and because it's a big deal, which is um, at least half the battle when it comes to college football marketing and yeah. making it so that people think your conference is good is making your game seem like a big deal, right? Right. Um, that's why the Big Ten did the uh, you know the big noon Saturday big with Fox Saturday, yeah, yeah, big nude Saturday, and why the why the the Big Twelve got involved with that is they like the idea of the spectacle. They want something that has a flashy name that has something that people remember is like, oh, what's the big noon game on Fox? Right, and we're gonna we're gonna do a conference expansion episode eventually, and we're gonna talk about this. But what drives your money from a TV revenue standpoint? It used to be the Jim Delaney thing where you wanted as many big TV markets as possible. Yeah. That is no longer the dynamic that is being followed. What matters now is getting really big games with really big viewership numbers. Yeah, you need to... Everybody in every market can see your games, right? Yes. And so you need a reason for you know, someone in Columbus to turn on the Pac-12 game of the night rather than, you know, whatever is on ESPN, whatever's on ABC, right? And obviously part of that is having better teams, (laughs) which is, which is tricky. And it brings me, yeah, yeah, it brings me to the second thing, which is, I think we need a much stronger South. I think that we need, and we're, I think that the Pac-12 is building towards that. I think that Arizona producing good quarterbacks, good wide receivers consistently is a good thing for the Pac-12. Keeping those guys in the conference is a different story, but um, I think that, Specifically, a a good Arizona State and a good UCLA, two teams that we just mentioned, makes the Pac-12 a lot better. I think that that goes very, very far to improve this conference as a whole, more so than any other teams improving would, right? I think that you have two or three stalwarts in the North, in Oregon and Washington, maybe Stanford, if we can Mm -hmm. figure something out there. Um, But the South needs a team that is not USC, that can be good consistently. I think Arizona State is probably the one that fills that slot right Right. now. Um, It can't be Utah. No one cares about Utah. I, I like I like Kyle Whittingham. He's I like coach, yeah. I like weird programs, right? I'm I'm saying it bluntly here. No one is tuning in for Utah. They don't play a style of football that people they they it's not interesting. It's yeah. not fun to watch. I like that they win. I'm glad that they do. They're not a draw. And they're also never gonna be the most popular program in their own state. Yeah. Which makes yeah, it tough. Which is fair. They're not yeah, because man, they're not even gonna be the most popular team just in their their region that either used to be or currently is a group of five team. Boise State is more popular than Utah is. Uh, I don't think that tracks on viewership numbers. Maybe maybe in like uh like sentiment, but mm. I, I think uh, Utah's numbers a little more durable. But I mean but BYU is, is the big draw in that state. You know That's, what I mean? Like yeah. they have the bigger fan base in the state of Utah. Which is I, I think kind of the other answer here. We'll talk about conference expansion like you mentioned. Um adding BYU and Boise State would also go a long way. Could help for sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's definitely you got to do something here. I mean, you, I, and I would actually probably try to swing for more Big Twelve teams. But okay. Again, well, this is something we'll talk about uh, going down the road. Yeah. This is something I want to really dive in on. Yeah, but I think that you know, like you said, it's a chicken and egg situation. Fixing the TV contracts, making it so that it's a big deal to watch Pac-12 games, the the big Pac-12 game of the night, um, and then. You need Arizona State to keep getting better. You need yeah. to start keeping those Arizona kids in state, in region. Um, I don't know if that's just hiring better coaches, <laughs> if that's you know running more interesting yeah, the Arizona offenses. trying to win football games or you yeah. know, having someone recruiting Arizona would probably yeah. help. You need Arizona to start trying to win football games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my gosh. I, I know uh, Ari Watts from the Athletic has talked about this a lot too, friend of the pod, Yeah, and uh, ha- has mentioned that you know uh, when Kevin Sumlin was the coach in Arizona, uh, I believe... There was a there was a high major recruit that his son attended high school with mm-hmm. that at no point in time during uh, the kid's recruitment did he ever step foot inside his high school, and it was something like twenty minutes from campus. Uh, I mean, just like just no. I mean, come on, like you have to have a coherent plan. You have to try yeah. to win your own state. You have to try to. You, I mean, you have three states to get recruited. Yeah, three states you have to care God, about recruiting. What a shit show! Hiring Jed Fish for that job, you need a grinder in that job. Yeah, Fish Jed is- Fish has never grinded a day in his life. I think he's gonna be so bad. Oh my God, Brent Brennan is right there. Yeah. Oh my God! Just like this it man, sucks. man who has gotten where he is exclusively off of working insanely hard. I really do hate Arizona as a program. Oh at this my point. God, I mean, that's just, horrible. What a. I, I hate mismanaged programs like that. Yeah. We have to do fix a program with them eventually. Yeah, man, what a shame. Because yeah. there's so much talent coming out of that state right now. Yeah. And it's just going to Texas, going to Ohio State, going to anywhere but Arizona. USC, yeah, Keaton Slope <laughs> is an Arizona recruit. Yeah. God. That's horrible. Uh, um, yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's the, um, 
not especially definitive answer. Like you said, I don't think that USC being really good is a death knell for the rest of the conference. I think it's a good thing, right? You right. Need, you need that top program. Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma being really good doesn't make the rest of their conferences terrible, right? Alabama yeah. obviously is a big one in the SEC. You can you can do that without it crippling the rest of your you conference. You almost have to do that, actually. USC is not landing 50 guys a class. There's still talent in California. Um, Oregon can still be really good. Oregon, I think is in a pretty good place right now, just generally speaking. Right. I think that Mario Cristobal is a bad in-game coach, but a really good program builder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't think that USC being good would hurt those guys a ton because USC has recruited at the exact same level that it usually would in these last couple of years. Maybe, um, maybe slightly lower than like that. that. Yeah. Slightly lower than like the Pete Carroll era. I mean, but, they had that class two years ago. Their class was like 72nd. Yeah, that's not great. But right. <laughs> generally speaking, if USC is hovering around the 10 range, which I think it is, then you're not, it's not going to get a whole lot worse when they're suddenly a championship contender. Right. right. Um, the talent is what it is. Those guys are going to USC regardless. And I think that you can, you can still win safely and, and comfortably in this conference without it being a huge issue. Sure. Um, what's next year? All right, we have two questions left. Uh, our first one here is, uh, what is the path to take for bottom-of-the-barrel FBS teams? I'm thinking teams like UConn, UMass, a number of MAC teams, etc. cetera. Uh, move to SES does not seem to solve many financial issues, but I've got nothing else. This is from our friend Parker on Twitter. Yeah. Um, man. He also he loves the show to give the good work. So yes. I'll take yes. that just for me. Yeah, thank you, Parker. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so it's, it's really hard because these teams... They do seem... It's like the Kansas thing, right? These teams feel hopeless. Yeah, I have... Uh, this is really the toughest question I was like looking at before the pod. I have no answer here. I mean, like we, we laid out, like you asked what they could do, and it's like... Uh, I mean, dude, there's just not enough talent in the Northeast. Like, yeah. s- like simply put, like you are going to be recruiting behind the entire Ivy League. You're recruiting behind Boston College, behind Rutgers, behind Penn State. Michigan, you know, those schools come in and just take whatever they want in the Northeast. Yeah. And you are left with the scraps. And the scraps in this case are like less than FCS players. Like you, yeah. you are not even recruiting like the best FCS players available. You're recruiting like mid level FCS players. Yeah. And you're trying to compete on a P5 or on a, on a, on a FBS schedule. Um, dude, I really don't know. I mean, I really don't know what to say. Uh, get a kick ass recruiter who like has. Yeah. Like ties to Tampa or something, trying to get them to come up to Massachusetts, yeah, I guess. Must, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> uh, you just have to have a guy, you know, like, you have a guy for Philly, you have a guy for uh, Pittsburgh, you have a guy for, you know, Tampa, you have a guy for Charlotte, and just try to maybe get a couple decent players out of there who yeah. maybe are weird player, you know, like, 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 run a wing yes. T in high school that want to be a, a an, S, an outside receiver in the next level. Quarterbacks that look weird when they throw and are 5'11", but also pass for 5,000 yards. Yeah. Right? Like, those guys do exist. They are out there. You just have to look for them, right? There are weird dudes in playing high school football sure. that don't really look right. You know, here's a 5'9 linebacker that has 200 tackles in his senior right. season, and he doesn't really look good doing it, but he does it, and it works, and he's, he's yeah. pretty good at it. Um, my answer is, is it, it's another one of those easier said than done, right? Um, I think that the answer first here is to do something that makes you valuable to recruits on the field, right? Do something in your scheme that makes you valuable to a certain kind of guy. The example that we brought up last week of this is Buffalo, right, with, with Lance mm-hmm. Leopold where he can go to offensive linemen, he can go to running backs, he can even go to defenders and say, we're going to have a kick-ass running game, we're going to be able to control the the ball, we're going to slow the game down. If you're a running back, you'll go to the NFL. If you're an offensive lineman, you'll go to the, you'll go to the NFL. If you're a defender, you will have a much easier time. Yeah. Right. That's what he can sell there. He has, obviously... Being able to get the track record of doing that is harder to to do than just saying that you're going to do it, right? You have to prove it to yeah, to be able course. to recruit, and um, you're going to have to do that with lesser talent. It's just you know, Lance Leopold did it. He made it work. He's a really good coach. Yeah. It's hard to hire Lance Leopold. Yeah, like most things, our recommendation is to hire Lance Leopold. Yeah. Yeah, that would fix it yeah. for you. And I don't know if just going down to the, the FCS D2, D3 level and hiring a, a, the best bro- program builder that you can find is the answer. That's It feels reductive, right? Because hiring coaches is hard, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah. Um, but I do think that doing that on the field at least gives you something to talk about in recruiting. Um, you're going out and you're getting the weird players, like Ryan mentioned. And I think that that ties into the second point, which is you. I just mentioned this with Arizona, right? You need a coach that will grind. 
You mm-hmm. need you need someone who understands who he is. I have your guy here for you. Okay. I don't know if I'll even take the job. Yeah. But Penn State defensive backs coach Terry Smith okay. is my hire choice. Yeah. He was Temple's ace recruiter in Philly. Yeah. He was Penn State's ace or is Penn State's ace recruiter in both Pitt and Philly. He is the guy that goes and gets talent in Pennsylvania and the Northeast for you. He yeah. does not recruit your traditional territory as much, but if you just want a guy who's going to grind his ass on the on the, on the recruiting trail, yeah. Uh, I mean, Terry Smith is the guy. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's what you need. You need someone who does that as a head coach, and then you need Dennis assistants who do that. Yeah. You need a staff where there are guys like this to, to, to peek behind the veil a little bit. There are guys like this in writing, right, where you mm-hmm. show up to cover something, and the same guy is always there. You're like, what the – how is this guy everywhere, yeah. right? And it's not necessarily a big name. You're like, shit, this guy works really hard, right? Yeah. That's what you have to be, with, you know, in, at local high school football games in, mm-hmm. you know, Northeast uh, Pennsylvania, in in the Northeast in general. You have to have a coach at every single high school football game. It feels like, right? Yeah. Make it so that they see your logo, so that they see your face. You have to they, be the guy in the trail. Yeah. You have yeah. to get like the the camp scene. You have yeah. to get to the trail. You have scene. to be everywhere. Yeah. Right. You you have to have coaches who are willing to just sit on the road for days at a time. But look, we've seen it done. Like, like again, speaking specifically to my experience here, uh, whenever Brennan Marion was at Howard, yeah, uh, he offered every whippy old player, which is the uh, Pittsburgh area football, yeah, every Pittsburgh area kid with a pulse uh, had an offer from Brennan Marion as soon as they show talent. Yes, yeah, because he just—I mean—he was the hardest working recruiter in that city, regardless yeah. of the level you played at. Yeah, and that's Randy Hedsel had success with that at UConn. Yeah. Just grind your ass off in recruiting, yeah. and you know, eventually. Coach, high school coaches see that. Yeah, high school Kentucky players, yeah. Ohio, right? High school players see that. They yeah. say, "Hey, it's always the same guy here." Yeah. You know, he's he's always here. He's always checking out our players. He's always, you know, been good to this program. Yeah. Let's start, you know, ushering kids over to visits there. Let's start saying, "Hey, you know, UMass has a really good coaching staff." Yeah, I mean, the, the, the name I think of when I think of this is Vince Merrow at Kentucky. Uh, yeah, what he does in the state of Ohio, absolute right? grinder. Uh, I just, I mean, I'm sure a thousand high school coaches could tell the story, same story about Vince. But uh, a few months ago, I was at Walnut Ridge High School, um, and their head coach, their longtime head coach, been there for about 20 years, was talking to me, and you know, uh, I just kind of asked him, you know, which coaches he thinks recruits the school the best, kind of that nature, mm-hmm. and, and he, you know, Vince Merrow has been here every stop he's been every year. Vince Merrow's at my high school, yeah. multiple times a year, every year. Yeah, he knows every kid that's come through here, and he doesn't land him. I mean, you know, Derek Forrest. Uh, went to Cincinnati, he's now off to the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. Lee Harrison from that high school went to Ohio State, is now playing for the Ravens. Um, they just had a kid sign with Kentucky who did end up going with him. But yeah. because he built that relationship and was there every spring, every fall for a decade straight, even though he didn't land a single player the entire time, eventually, oh, here comes a you know a P5 level defensive lineman that we're going to keep for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason that a lot of the four and five star kids in the Midwest include Kentucky in their final five, mm-hmm. right? I think Keontae Goodwin is a good example. The yeah. uh, four star offensive tackle from Charlestown in, in, in Indiana. I believe Kentucky's in his final five, right? Yep. It's because of Vince Merrill. Yeah. <laughs> this, he's everywhere. They're not just in the final five. They're probably the number two school for him right now. Probably. Yeah, they're, it's, I mean, they're it's a real them, them or Alabama. And like, that's the kind of guy that you need, and I don't know if Vince Merrow would take that job specifically, right? It seems like he's pretty comfortable with Kentucky. Yeah, he should not take that no, job. No, he should yeah. not take that job, but someone like that, right? Maybe maybe somebody a little bit younger, somebody who is their path to, to a head coaching job, they understand, is that they have to work as hard as possible, yeah. right? How you, about Brennan Marion? How yeah, we, we, Brennan Marion, I think, would do really well in one of these jobs, yeah. really well being 6-6, six and six, right. but that's something, right? And I think that that's the answer, is you do something interesting on the field, and then you work your ass off in, in recruiting until you have some sort of talent base, yep. right? Until high school coaches know who you are, know who your staff is, and then you keep doing it. Yeah, um, and again, good luck at it. I mean, yeah, you it's cannot gonna, slip up, you can't make no, any mistakes. No, it's, it's impossible. It's a really yeah. hard job. It's you know you're pushing the stone up the mountain. It's going to keep falling. Yeah. And I think it's the same answer at the bottom of the MAC. It's the same answer at UTEP. It's the same answer at a lot of these jobs. You just like there's not an easy fix here. The easy fix is certainly not to go get JUCO guys, which is what a lot of them do. Um, there's no cut and dry. This if you do this, then you will succeed. But if you if you you know put your offense, if you put your team in a in a unique position on the field where recruits see that and then you work your ass off in recruiting, I think that you'll have as good a chance as anybody. And um, is Walt Bell that guy at UMass? I don't know. I don't think so. I'd say probably not. Yeah. I don't think so. I think that he is maybe a little bit too much of the brilliant offensive mind, you know, 
eh, kind of, yeah. um, and and not so much. He the, certainly styles himself that way. Yeah, and not so much the grinder that's going to go out and recruit, right? And cool. I think that that's who you need at these jobs. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we have our last question here. Um, we are being asked to rank the best rivalries that have been ruined because of conference realignment. This yep. was asked by a, a newly appointed Indiana University medical doctor, Ben Weiner. Mm-hmm. Uh, salute to our medical doctors in the podcast. I, love that. I, I will say we have one more here from a locked account, but we can get to Just this Just kidding. After. We yeah. have two more. <laughs> uh, here's our second to last question then. Um, so... I don't think we're going to go ahead and throw a rank them. I think we are just going to throw out a couple each just of, yeah. of certain ones that we really enjoy that we would like to see come back. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, I, I mean, I grew up in this rivalry. I talked about it a couple times in the podcast. It's Pitt West Virginia. I knew this was going to be first. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great it's a great rivalry. Um, and Pitt has another rivalry, Pitt-Penn State, that was mm-hmm. not destroyed by conference realignment, but rather, as Bill Landis told us on, on the podcast, the Big East. It was destroyed about, by Joe Paterno. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Pitt West Virginia was a, a, a rivalry that is so goddamn fun to watch, and there's so much, like just true earnest hatred. Like, yeah. like uh, we talked about this before. It's not, there's not respect. It's not like friendliness. Like these guys hate each other's guts, uh, and they should be playing all the time. Um, they should be in the same conference. They should be playing frequently. Um, that's my answer. It's the only answer I've got. I mean, or, I mean, I, I, I can have more that I can throw yeah. out, but. Uh, that is my number one by far. How about you? Um, I'm going to go a little bit of a different way to, to give it some of my own flavor here. Um, TCU Utah was really fun uh-huh. in the Mountain West. That TC- is definitely Patrick Mayfield. TCU and, and, you know, like they didn't play each other a ton, but, well, did they? No, they were in different conferences. TCU and Boise State fighting for that G5 bid so to, a top t- for, to a top uh, bowl every year. Really fun, really fun to watch, yes. right? Um, I think TCU Utah is my my number one pick here, just because those teams were so good. They were so so good, and this is sort of an indirect answer because they're still in the same conference. They still play, but they were severely severely crippled by both coaching departures and by the way that conference alignment has has shifted. Um, Boise State and Nevada. Right, mm-hmm. still in the same conference. Nothing has changed yeah. there, right? But the way that the the Mountain West has shifted to very much a second rate conference has hurt both of those programs. Yeah, um, and it I mean, has that, that Nevada Boise State game where Nevada uh, the last second field goal to beat Boise. One State. of the best college football games of all time. Yeah, I mean that was a great game, and they had great games like that and, every single and that year. That was nationally watched too. That yeah. was like an important game. People yeah, about. so it's it's not a direct answer, but I do think that that was impacted severely by conference realignment, by Utah becoming a power team, things like that. Right, yeah. um, and. Uh, that stinks. Those those it games sucks, were really yeah. really fun to watch. I yeah. really enjoyed watching those games. Yeah, uh, I think a big one here. I mean, there's, there's a few more that I think makes sense. Um, I would say Texas Texas A&M. Of course, we, yeah. we all want to see that played. Uh, Missouri Kansas is more of a basketball rivalry, yeah. but those teams do really hate each other. Nebraska uh, Oklahoma. Nebraska Oklahoma for sure. Man, I hate um, Nebraska in the Big Twelve in the Big Ten so much. Yeah. It sucks. Uh, I mean, they do. I think fit culturally, but it's just uh, it's I, just not the same. Yeah, I mean, they don't seem to have as much fun with it either. I, no. I think I think I can't tell if the joylessness is part of losing the rivalries or if it's uh, just losing so many games. Yeah, um, but I would like to see their fan base love football again. Yeah, uh, and also Nebraska, Colorado is another one too we can throw in here. That's uh, fair. Yeah, um, Louisville and every team in the Big East. Right. That's right. Because yeah. the Bobby Petrino era. Uh, Louisville versus the Law is my <laughs> yeah. biggest rivalry. But. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that those are the, the big ones that come to mind for me, either directly or, or indirectly. Um, man, I would love to watch, like, Rutgers, West Virginia on a Thursday night again. Right? Mm. Just the, you know, going back to the Big East. The, yeah. man, there were some really good rivalries. Here's an underrated one people forget about. Uh, how about South Carolina Clemson? Yeah, that used to be a conference robbery back yeah. in the day. They uh, still play, but it's not really. You know, it's, it's not a conference robbery. I'm yeah, just, I'm being pedantic here. I'm no, it's it's it. fine, and it has certainly lost something because yeah. of because of that. Did you? Because Clemson got good as well. Yeah, because something. Clemson yeah. got good. Yeah, they, <laughs> it's not quite the same when both teams aren't seven and five every year. So right. You've got uh that was that was them when you have the Clemson player was like punching somebody in the. Uh, in the end zone, right? There was like a huge fight between the two. Oh, that sounds right. I yeah. think it was him. It was like 2004, 2005. Yeah. Um, would have been peak, whichever Bowden it was that was coaching Clemson at the time. Um, peak Terry. Terry hours, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was Tommy, right? Uh, I don't know, man. I think, Terry, I think Terry was the Look, only one. Bobby had a, it, was, it was Bobby. Had three large sons, yeah. and they all fucking sucked. Um, My three horrible sons. 
<laughs> Look, that whole family can go to hell as far as oh, I'm concerned. Man. Well, some of them are already there, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one here. This one is, is from a locked a locked friend of ours. Um, ben Warsowicz, I believe, is, is the name on gotcha. Twitter. Um, he says, hypothetically, if you were running the only Power 5 program in a Midwestern state with very good high school football, uh, how would you launder your bag money? So this man is essentially asking us to out Ohio State. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, Which we won't do. <laughs> yeah, we won't we do have, it. There's we, yeah. certainly not a price you could Venmo me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we are distinctly anti-snitching on this podcast. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who, look, again, we just did this little rant last time. Who are we going to hurt by snitching? Yeah. It's not going to be Ohio State. They're going to be good football still. No, they're fine. We're going to hurt the kid that got paid. Yeah. If, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly, if a someone did get paid. Uh, yeah, Ohio State, wait, listen, Ohio State doesn't pay players. That's right, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. They're the only team in college football that does not pay nope, players. Nope, teams in college football play players. None of them do it. None of them do it. Yeah, they're all innocent. Um, my real answer, though, is honestly, from, from what I've heard, most teams that are not located in, like, the middle of the South generally do not pay players in their home area. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Notre Dame is not paying Indiana kids to come play for Notre Dame because they don't have to, right? Yeah, it's also not paying anybody else, allegedly. 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 Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should say X school and not <laughs> uh, proper nouns. Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> We're talking about North Dakota State right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. They don't pay any kids in North Dakota, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I think that's, you know... That's going to be one of the issues for answering this question. I think I think it's kind of a jokey question, right? Yeah. Um, but the the real answer is you don't pay kids in your own state if you're in the yeah. Midwest. If you're not in the South, there's no real reason to do it. If I were a coach, I would launder my money through Sheets because they're open 24 hours a day, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone loves Sheets. And there's a Sheets out in uh, Delaware now, Del- Delaware, Ohio. It's, yeah, I think they just opened like yeah. this week. Yeah, uh, I, I saw that. I was like, "What the hell? They're already they're already setting that up." They're opening 17 locations around Columbus. I'm sure you're very excited. Oh. I can't tell you how excited I am. Please do, though. Uh, I am going to be in Sheets. I mean, have you ever thought about how, like, of all the fast food places in the world that I have spent the most money at, high school Ryan was at Sheets four times a week, I would say, with his friends, yeah. especially in the summers. We would just do whatever dumb shit we were doing, mm-hmm. and then at 4 a.m., go to Sheets, go get mozzarella sticks and, and you know, chicken tenders. Love uh, that. It was. It's a dream, baby. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's. I have so much nostalgia associated with sheets. It is uh, my favorite fast food, fast casual place out there. Ryan, what is your first order walking into a Columbus Sheets? That's a great question, Patrick. This um, is, we'll say this is the final Q and A question. Here's what I'm doing when I'm hitting sheets. Okay. This is off the cuff. All right. Okay. I'm confident in your ability. I go for a hot pretzel melt. Okay. Uh, I do ham and turkey on there, Swiss cheese, mayo. Uh, some peppers. Um, I get side of mozzarella sticks. Yep. I probably will include, I'd say, I get the tenders tossed in the, uh, they used to have a Dr. Pepper barbecue sauce that was like terrifyingly good. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, the Maryland locations have Old Bay tossed chicken tenders. Mm. And they have those here. That's what I'll pick up. Yep. Um, with side of ranch. Um, and then, you know, I'm hitting the slushy station. Okay. To get the largest possible blue Mountain Dew slushy, yeah, um, and I'll probably stop there. I could eat an easily another three thousand calories in this meal, I would yeah. say, but that is a good base meal to have. And I'm excited for you. I'm I, I haven't. I'm, this is the happiest I've been in weeks. Yeah, I haven't had sheets, so we'll have to do a review on the podcast sometime. Yeah, um, I will take. You and anyone else listening to this podcast who wants to come to Sheets with me. Open invitation. To, <laughs> to give you guys the full tour and teach you how to eat at yeah. Sheets. See, I haven't had Sheets and I haven't had PJs, which are two, I think, foundational parts of Ryan's diet in, like, like college in Ryan. Col- yeah, yeah college Ryan. Current Ryan eats better than this. Yeah, but... if I were still eating PJs, I would not be alive, I would say. Um, but there were many times as well where, you know, look, I, um, I lived a couple blocks up from Outer Inn. Uh, which Outer Inn is one of <laughs> it's my favorite bar on Ohio's campus for many reasons. Yeah. Um, one of which is that it's has a pizza place inside of it. So yeah. is you know located adjacent to Outer Inn. The other is that uh, it is directly across the street from PJ's, where you could stumble over as the bar closed at two fifteen uh, to go get yourself a fat sandwich. Yeah. Uh, personally, I was always a fan of the Fat Barnyard. Um, the Fat Bitch is another popular one. 
I mean, it's it's kind of one of those. Uh, he's ever had a fat sandwich shop? They throw a bunch of ingredients on a on a roll. Yeah. Um, like the Fat Wang is their Chinese themed one. You know, there's there's various mildly offensive names they have. Yeah, they really go nuts on it, from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is something you sh- really should have. You know, you're what 21, 22? Yeah, twenty one. Yeah, I mean this is the exact time in your life you should be eating. PJs. This is when I'm capable of eating. PJs, yeah, you're, yeah, you're about five years away from not being able to do it again without <laughs> like you know uh, without not being ha- able to breathe correctly without, for a week. without having to prepare five weeks in advance. <laughs> yeah, for it. yeah. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to take you up on that. Yeah, so if you guys. Uh, if people listen to this or not from the Columbus area, uh, look up uh, PJ's Grill, home of the drunks, yeah. uh, which is their I think their full name. Yeah, uh, their menu is is pretty absurd. But I mean, all these fat sandwiches are something that we would, uh, you know, get a little too often in college. I would say there's a reason I, I got to 320 pounds as a sophomore in college uh, <laughs> <laughs> and had yeah. to lose 100 pounds. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason it happened, and PJ's, I'd say it's mostly to blame. Yeah, we'll, we'll say that, yeah. Uh, I will say a lot of folks that listen to the show are not from Columbus, and we uh, we, we love and, are, and appreciate our our nationwide listeners. It's very, very cool. International, as a matter of International, fact. International, yeah, yeah, we have an English listener. Prestige world. Yeah, we, have, we have some guys in <laughs> India who I don't know if they actually listen to the show. If you're in India and you listen to the show, please let us know, because yeah, that, that rocks. Yeah, <laughs> if you're a French guy listening to the show, yes. uh, please let me know if you've ever hooked up with Emmanuel Macron's <laughs> wife or anything like that. Uh, that's allegedly yeah. her thing. Yeah, but we've got uh we've got we've got <laughs> listeners all over the all over the globe and that's very cool. So if you yes. are uh if you are anywhere weird, anywhere cool and you're listening to this show, we appreciate you. We're glad that you're uh, glad that you're here. Um, thank you all so much for checking out Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football, including PJ Sandwiches. Um, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about the podcast. I think it's good, right? It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good podcast. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> you can leave five-star reviews. We're not taking questions right now because we just did the Q&A. If you want to leave one, we'll get to it. Right? We'll definitely get to we'll it. We'll get yeah. to it for the next one, but nobody did it for this one so i don't know if they will for the next one cowards cowards um please do leave a five-star review if you enjoy the show um ryan where can folks find you i am on twitter at b1g underscore ryan mm-hmm. uh, that's the only place i'll let you talk to me okay um <laughs> i'm at patrick <laughs> you can find me on linkedin uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm at patrick underscore mayhorn my writing is at the outside zone newsletter on Substack, available three times a week for just five dollars a month um ryan do we have anything else no sir all right ryan i'll talk to you next week Bye.